The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate love and hope with a truly lovely soul, Mariel Ford Clark, who is the author of Where After? Where do our loved ones go after they die? Now, Mariel has had her near own near-death experience in 1992 and has since dedicated her life to exploring the mystery of life and death. She has studied many cultures where the afterlife is considered our true home. From the various research gleaned, she now understands that a belief in an afterlife determines and impacts how one grieves. Anecdotal evidence from many of her workshops showed a prevailing common theme. Participants who believe in an afterlife manage their grieving process in a healthier and more integrative way. I couldn't agree more. For others, the afterlife is of no concern with death being the cessation of all life and communication. Mariel, I'm so happy to be speaking with you today. How are you, my friend? Oh, Christy, it's just a beautiful opportunity to be here. And greetings from Ireland. Ah, love your accent. <laughs> <laughs> so your book, uh, Where After, uh, is this mostly about your own experience where did you base this book in okay there, there is a little bit of a story behind it because mm -hmm. i while i have written many um articles and uh, for magazines and newspapers and for pr press and different things in my life uh writing a book was never part of it and in 2018 i had a, a major ski accident which rendered me uh, invalided for a, about five months. I was unable to walk. And my guides kept coming to me, as they always do in the middle of the night. And uh, they started to show me a, a kind, uh, like a pyramid. And on this pyramid was scientific model, 
uh, medical model and the spiritual model. And I went, okay, I don't ask questions in the middle of the night. They just tell me. So then I found I was beginning to see uh, like a, a board with all that was supposed to be put. And this was a book. And it was to be called Where After? Where Do Our Loved Ones Go After They Die? And the fact that I have a scientific background, I... I originally, uh, I qualified in the sciences and became a serologist. And But going back to my childhood, Christy, I mean, I was reared in, with my uh, grandmother being extremely psychic. My uncle was the seventh son of a seventh son. And I communicated with angels and guides since I was so high. But I understood or thought that everybody could do it until I started going into secondary school and realized I better keep my mouth shut here or I'll be deemed as a witch, right? Yes. So I kept it very quiet, but my grandmother was incredible and she was extremely gifted and psychic. But I carried that with me all my life. And then at 16, I'm, and I, I'm jumping, toing and prone, as we do in Ireland, we're skipping on the stones, jigging and reeling. And uh, so at uh, 16, I had a huge, incredible, profound spiritual experience. One I didn't share for years and years. And it was Mother Mary absolutely materializing before my eyes. And uh, I kept that secret as well, because that time, Christy, you, you didn't talk about things uh, kind of like paranormal or spiritual exactly. for fear of being deemed as away with the fairies or off the head or a few more lovely little phrases like that. So I, I embodied my spiritual uh, upbringing really more so than religious. I embodied that spiritual upbringing. And then, you know, I decided I was going to study the sciences and it's, I, okay, I practiced meditation, I practiced yoga, I did lots of different things. But then in 1992, when I had my own, I call it a death experience, Christy, because I was dead. You're dead, you're dead. That, that, that was one of the um, questions I brought to Dr. Peter Fenwick when I was on his panel some time ago. You know, why do they say you're near dead? I said, sure, I was pronounced dead, like everybody else that had the near death experience. But he explained to me that the near-death experience is coined because now, in the last hundred years, we have so much medical advancements for bringing a dead person back between resuscitation and different chemicals that are infused into the bloodstream. So I says, okay, that'll do me grand. So the book you asked me, how it came about, I always worked, I ran workshops teaching people how to connect with their loved ones. It was called Loved Ones of Whisper Away. Uh, I was doing spiritual awakening programs. I was what they, my spirit guides called me a spirit midwife. Being a spirit midwife meant, Christy, I was called to the bedside of somebody that was about to make their transition. And being a shaman, I was able and guided by the person's soul, always guided by the person's soul, what to do in that instance, you know, uh, recoiling the chakra system, which is the energy line, the meridians, which carry wheels and energy of life and to bring them to a peaceful close. And then it's like my role 
as the spirit midwife was handing that person over through the veil. Beautiful experiences around that too. We may get to talk about it, Christy, later. So they, I had huge, uh, huge experiences with, uh, you know, deathbed visions with my with people that I sat with, you know, after death communication, and there was so much that uh, when uh, it came to say this book. I was guided by my guides that I need to incorporate the scientific proof of afterlife, the medical proof of afterlife, and then gently bring in the experiences that I had with my own clients to give it a balance, to put meat on the, on the bones. So that's how that came about. And only for I had the accident, I would not probably have written where after. I, it was totally guided. Right. Now, you said your grandmother had experienced some psychic abilities. Did mm. you know that you had these abilities as well? Well, I suppose when looking at my grandmother and I remember and everybody, it was a very humble, humble uh, house and everybody came in the back door for these readings from her, everybody at the back door, never the front door. And everything was done in under cloak and secrecy. And I mean, I reveled in her expertise, the stories that she would have regaled to me. But I, I could always see energy. I could always feel energy. I could always kind of communicate. I, I saw things I obviously know that not all children see, but she identified that in me and she nurtured it at a very early stage. That is why I got in so much trouble when I was in school with the nuns, because, you know, they'd be talking about a God and they'd be saying the, the God was going to punish you and God was going to put you in hell. And I used to say, and I'm very young. No, no, that's not the God that I know. And they say, what do you know about God? And I said, I know he's a loving God. He's an all compassing God. And, you know, and that God loves me no matter what I do. And I will get many chances. So I was a little bold, cheeky thing. I ended up always behind the blackboard, Christy, and a dunce's hat in my head for a lot, lots of times. <laughs> That's how they punished me for, you know, expressing my my difference in believing God was a loving God rather than a punishing one. But my, and, and my grand, my, sorry, my uncle, who was the seventh son of a seventh son, which is very, very rare in those times and even rarer now. He, he was born with this, uh, I'm sure you've heard of the call on his head, which yeah. is like this membrane, kind of calcium membrane. And it was very precious to the family. And when people would be going abroad that time years and years ago, never possibly to return, the piece of this call was given to them as a, a good luck token to bring them safely on their journey, to make sure that they would come back. And, you know, yeah. So there was, I'm, I'm steeped in a lot of history and magic, but it was real. It wasn't just myth mythical, it was real. Right, you came by this honestly. And uh, yeah. I must say, you're not the first guest on this podcast to have worn a dunce's cap at school. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> that's great to know. Fair to God, yes. Really, Not yeah. Far from the last, yeah. I'm sure, too. Um, I do want to circle back to your experience with the visitation by Mother Mary. Can you right, tell yeah. about what happened? What was that like? I suppose, you know, Christy, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So I always had a great faith, a faith, but it was not a religious, it was always spiritual. Even though I went to Catholic school, my parents were Catholic, but they were very, very uh, spiritual beings. I realize as I'm getting older, they were so spiritual. But going to school was always quite challenging. And uh, I found one of our teachers who thought it was our Gaelic Irish language, she was uh, bless her, but she was a cruel, cruel woman. And she, even then we, 15, 16 and 17, she would beat the living daylights out of you. And there are no questions asked. And if you reported her, you got the same, you got a heavier dose. So mm -hmm. I used to go into this little grotto. It was in the old, old abbey, off, uh, just off the grounds of our school, every morning of schooling. And I would go and I would pray in this beautiful little candlelit grotto with a trickle of water coming down the stones and a most beautiful statue of Mother Mary and a, a tray. I can still see it for candle, lighting candles. And I used to pray to her that this teacher would leave me alone, that she would not touch me today. Imagine. And... Then one of these mornings, the, the statue, when I looked up, it was the, right before the statue was this beautiful presence of Mother Mary. Incredible. It, and her head, her, her hands were joined and she smiled and she went from left to right and back again to center. And I just ran out of the place left my school bag and lunchbox, everything behind me. And I bumped into one of the guys and I said, will you ever go in there and get me my school bag? And he came out and I said to him, anything, did you see anything in there? Yeah. And he said, no, 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 not a blessed thing. Now, what were you looking for? He says. <laughs> so that was my, but I never told anybody about it. I wrote it down and I kept it in a little diary and uh, the girls' diary that we used to have that time, and right. never told anybody about it. It was years and years later. I didn't. I was afraid they might think I was off my rocker, so I kept it secret. And I'm only proud to start talking about it. I only started talking about it to my family after 1992, after the death experience. So. But Mother Mary has been my, I'm looking over at her here now. No, not materialized now in the statue form. She has been one of my ascended masters that has worked with me now. Because I, when I left the sciences and went studying all the different cultures, when I studied with, uh, I had the beautiful, beautiful pleasure of studying with um, Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer, Dr. Brian Wes, met uh, Louise Hay, you know, Marion Williamson, the wonderful Dr. Brian Wes, because he's incredible, because he started really, really all this about reincarnation. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there was so much, I felt so blessed that I started to say, okay, I'm very blessed now. I need to own my experiences. 
own it from a perspective of balance. And so that's where the science comes in and my spiritual self comes in. Well, can you talk a bit about your death experience in 1992? Okay. So in 1992, I was, I suppose, we all know at this stage that when when we get ill, there is something else going on in the emotional body that we haven't really, really given attention to or looked at, you know. And I, for at that stage in Ireland, we, you know, we didn't have divorce. We had just separation. And I was living in a very, very dysfunctional marriage, a, a, a soul-destroying marriage. And bless my, bless my ex, he was one of my greatest teachers on Mother Earth. Incredible. He taught me about love and forgiveness. And that was another chapter that my guides have said I need to put in. So I have that in at the very book, at the very end of the book. But, um, you know, it was, I was diagnosed with a very advanced cervical cancer. And at that stage, it didn't matter. I just wanted to die. I didn't want, and it was, I was feeling, you know, wouldn't it be an ease to me? I, you know, I'm, I, I'm not loved. I don't feel loved. There is just, my energy is gone. I have no zest for life. There's no point in living. Yes, I had three beautiful children, but they didn't come into my dark equation. And, um, Out. and yeah, you know, I just, I just felt lost. I was a lost soul. I was a lost soul traveling this universe with no fixed abode. And it was very sad in, in that sense. And then, like that, Christy, I never told anybody. Right. Yeah. You know, never told anybody. Everything was secret. And uh, thank God for today's world that you can express yourself. There are platforms you can express yourself on. There are support groups now. There is everything, which is wonderful. But... That time it was it was kind of a, seen as a failure if your marriage was failing, especially in Ireland. So I I just cancer to me when he said, you know, you're very advanced cancer. I said, that's all right. I really did. I didn't get I didn't cry. I didn't get upset. I says, okay, what do we need to do? So on the anyway, on the day of my surgery, I I didn't uh, I had my will made. I had my will made and the best part of my will what and I had my grave picked out. And I had never told anybody either. But my the reason I made my will, Christy, even though I had nothing really to give anybody, <laughs> I haven't that much either now. <laughs> but uh I didn't want to be buried with my husband at that time. It was so important. It, I mean, it sounds crazy now, but I just felt no. So I had my will made and I had my grave picked out before I went in for my surgery. You were ready. And that, yeah, I was ready. I was really ready to go. And the ironic and the amazing part about it was, obviously, I died on the table. And I remember just floating out of my body and the feeling of peace and serenity and calm that I had not experienced was enveloping me. It was loving me and hugging me. And I was floating above. And I was looking down and I, and I kind of said, God, that one looks awfully like me. 
realizing I'm not, yeah, I'm not in my body. Oh my God, I'm, I'm up here. I'm all right. What's the fuss? There they were desperately trying to resuscitate me. And I was pulled in uh, an awful lot of the commonalities on near-death experiencers, Christy, is that they are brought into a tunnel. I was actually, I was pulled into, it was like a, a central a central fusion of total light. I was brought into this whirlpool of light and it was just amazing. I felt such love, such peace. It was incredible. And I could feel myself totally surrendering, totally surrendering to it all. I was part of this universe it was like the universe was in me and i was in it it was so beautiful and then i heard the most powerful powerful heavenly music music i have yet to ever ever even compare to it again and it was divine and then i felt myself being pulled further into this vortex of light and then as I was in that light, this hand, powerful, big, big hand comes out from this light. It was like a stop sign. And it was that it meant go no further. And the next thing I realized, I'm being, I'm pulled back into my body and I hear them say, she's back. We've got her back. Right. So a few days later, when obviously the surgeon had come to see me before then, but when I was obviously tickety-boo, thinking and straight and morphine-free, he says to me, you are one lucky lady, he said. He said, you were, you were dead. You were um, gone on us. He said, we had infused the maximum amount of blood transfusions and you still kept expelling it. I was bleeding it outwards. So he said, somebody was minding you in a higher force. And that somebody, I realized, Christy, three months later, when I, my darkest night of the soul came, I did not want to be on this earth anymore. Right. And I, yeah, I, I just, I just couldn't. I knew there was a peace somewhere in the universe and I wanted to be there in that peace. And the night, it was about 10 to 2 in the morning. And bless my ex-husband, there had been some kind of disagreement with us. I couldn't disagree with too much at that stage because I was still fragile. But I had extensive surgeries that day. But um, I just wanted to end it all. I just wanted the pain and the darkness to go away. And like that, could tell nobody. So... At 10 to 2 in the morning, I decided I'm, I'm leaving this world. Never occurred to me. I could not. I didn't have the rationale to think of my three beautiful babies down in their beds. It didn't occur to me. I was desperate. I was in despair. And as I was going out the door, my front door, and just what I was going to do, Christy, is there was a, that, that time we had a dockland area which was unprotected. So the, we had a big bridge and it was a quite sharp bend coming under the bridge. 
And then you went around the bend onto the bridge and there was the sea where all the ships used to dock for, for different cargoes. And I said, right, I'll put my foot on the accelerator. I'll close my eyes and the rest will be history. So I was going out the door. I, ha- I knew where I was going and twisted the knob of the door and my father's face and this hand that I saw in the heavenly realm, the same hand came out and then my father's face. And that time he had a pet name for all his children. says, Molly, could you keep your powder dry? So what happened then, I realized, oh my God, oh my God. But three hours had gone by and I find myself in the sitting room and I'm shaking, I'm frozen, my teeth are chattering, I'm blue with cold and I realize, oh my God, what I had intended to do. And then the next day I went to a solicitor and the rest is history. So, you know, so when the surgeon said somebody in a higher power must have been minding, it was certainly my father that looked for divine dispensation for me or something at that stage. It gave you at least the strength to go to a solicitor and start the proceedings for a divorce. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not divorce that time, separation, because we didn't have divorce, you see. Of course. We were, we were, you know, we were good old Catholic Ireland. You didn't have divorce. You made your bed and you lay in it, no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) Porns and all, you know. But at least a legal separation to get you out of that situation. Yes, yes. And then years later, years and years later, we had divorce. So I was able to get a divorce in time, you know. But I mean... The, you know, my journey to wholeness and into my spiritual life, really, I, I need to thank my ex-husband for that. Mm-hmm. And, because, and sadly, he passed away just there before Christmas. Oh, Just before yes. Christmas, yes. yes. I'm so sorry. Just, just before Christmas. And you know what, Christy? I learned so much from my forgiveness. And I think so many people bring so much bitter and anger and anger and resentfulness through their lives that is only festers in the body. And, and we're the ones that suffer. We need to, yes, let it go and let God take care of it and bless it for the lessons that is it's trying to convey to us. You know? Right. So it's it makes life easier then when somebody is about to make that transition to the next life that you have your peace made. And it's funny, uh, Christy, I've, I've, I sit with people that are about to die and with the invite of the family, of course, but sometimes I, they're sent to me or I'm sent to them, them long beforehand. And, you know, one of, the, one of the oldest guys I had, he was in his very late 70s. He used to come to my night classes. And for a few weeks he was missing. And he said... He rings me one day and he says, Marielle, he says, I'm in a bit of bother. And I says, really? And he said, yeah. He said, prognosis, not good. And I said, so sorry, I didn't know you were ill. So he came to see me. And what he was holding on to, he was, he was bitter and angry for something that happened with the land 40 years previous to that. 
with his father and with his brother, carrying that. And it's ironic. It was he was he got um, oh I can't well, the pancreatic cancer, and and pancreas is all got to do with the bile, the infusion that's spewing into your bloodstream, poisoning it, right? So I said to him, you know what? We need to let go of the past now. We wish we'll work keeping your energy pure for what's about to happen. So I was guided by his soul. The soul is an amazing part because we may get to discuss it, uh, Christy. It is such a beautiful, the soul is who we are. It's not the body or the physical body. The soul is the essence of who we are. And that carries the soul around. Absolutely. It's the vessel, the vessel. Yes. You know, it's it's like your car. The engine is in your car and, and without the engine, your car will go nowhere. The same is with us, with the soul. So I, I tuned in with his soul and asked what we needed to do to get him on the right path, to realign his energy with his God power. And uh, his soul guided me to bring him on a meditation to the other side. Yes. So he lay on my healing bed. And it was just, I knew, I was there on that journey with him. And I saw everything and I felt everything. And it was just a godly, godly gift and a presence for me to witness this. But afterwards, he, after he came out of his uh, trans state, he had put his arm up around his head, Chris, uh, Christy, and he said, Christ Marielle, he says, I'm after being in the grandest place. And I says, tell me about it. And he said, I met my father and I met my brother. And my father apologized, he says, for all the wrongdoings he had done. But he asked me one favor, to make friends with my brother before I die, not to make the same mistake that he did. And then he went on to tell me he met his two sheepdogs. And I said, really? And their names was, what was their names? Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde was the sheepdogs, right? So he, he carried that, you know, that pain, that anguish for 40 years. And what did it do? It just festered within himself. Yes. But less than six weeks later, his beautiful wife rang. And she said he had made his transition very beautifully, very peacefully. And his brother was at his bedside, oh. the one he hadn't spoken to in 40 years. That's beautiful. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a co-worker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook 
for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate You, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now, back to our podcast and back to our guest. So it's so lovely. Forgiveness is huge, and forgiveness is a gift we give to ourselves. It's nothing got to do with the other person. Nothing got to do with the other person. Exactly. It's like swallowing poison and hoping the other person would get sick. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Yeah. (laughs) It only hurts us. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it is so important and we carry a lot of unnecessary pain that we need to just let go. And, you know, I deal a bless. I, I deal a lot with uh, suicide and in my work and I deal a lot with uh, victims of, of rape and violence yeah. and uh, to teach them to be able to forgive and not, not just the perpetrator. For, for for their own sake, but forgive themselves because an awful lot of them blame themselves that this happened because of them, of themselves. You know, something they did wrong or something like that. We know why, um, you know, you talked about this physical example of this man having pancreatic cancer. Yes. But that was holding on to this and the role of forgiveness. Yes. But spiritually, um, yeah. on the other side, what does forgiveness do for us? Well, do you see, the thing is, Christy, on the other side, when we go to the other side, we are multidimensional beings. Yes. We're having this human experience we are not humans having a spiritual experience we come in from the spiritual realm and we occupy a human body but it's the soul that comes in it is our beautiful soul that magnificent divine part of who we truly are that is what reincarnates into the physical body and as dr brian wes beautiful soul and I had, as I said, the pleasure of being uh, taught with him. Many, same soul, but many bodies. So right. we occupy, it's the same soul because the soul brings in all the consciousness and all the experiences and the emotions of our previous lifetimes. So when we go across to the other side, and what I'm, you probably have heard, when we leave this mortal frame, we, if it's uh, sometimes... If it's very sudden, the death, we don't immediately have a life review. The life review can come in particular with somebody who has suicided. Um, and I am really, really being reassured by my guides and by my angels that every soul that transitions through suicide is always, always brought to the light and nurtured on the other side and they have reassured me that that is so important for people that have lost loved ones through suicide and what they have shown me is so beautiful Christy it's like somebody that has transitioned through suicide or accident or drowning or a sudden car accident or sudden death right they are held in this holding space it's like a spiritual vacuum and they are held there and they're nurtured 
by spiritual beings and they are cared for and loved. And then, then when the time is right, they are gradually awakened to the reality that they had died. And then the life review is shown to them. The life review is got to do, Christy, with all, all our good and bad deeds. Every word, every thought, every action we ever, ever spoke from our mouths are, and how they affected another were, was our love uh, generated through those words. Was there bitterness and hatred through those words? Was there manipulation, power, control, greed? You know, so it is so important. These are the things we'll be judged on when we are shown this life review. The life review is, it's like, uh, it's a record. It's the, it's the Akashic of our lives. And the good we do is so important. And it's not by, um, it's not by the amount of cars we may have in our drive, not by amount of holidays we may have, it's the acts of kindness. It's what we did to make life richer and nicer for a fellow human being. And forgiveness is one of the things. Forgiveness and love are the two greatest ingredients. So when we show that in our book of life that we have forgiven and we have let go and let God take care of that person because they need all the nurturing in the world, believe it or not, even those that have caused huge atrocities in the world. They, they need, they need uh, but it's not for us to give it to them. We can just release them from our energy field and let them go. So when we're able to forgive, when we go to the other side and we have forgiven in the physical form, it earns us grace. We, we, we earn grace. It's like a lovely gold star nearly is uh, on our badge of honor and say, you, you forgave. Well done you, because that shows that we have evolved spiritually, that our soul is growing more to God's light, to more, more towards God's perfection. Absolutely. Yes, I'm so glad that you broke that down for us. That was one of my questions. My big questions was about the life review. Oh, Did you have them nice. in your death experience? While there are huge commonalities, Christy, in our in the near death experiences, some will will have this huge commonalities, but not everybody goes through the tunnel. I didn't. Not everybody has a life review. I didn't have the life review, but through outer body experiences, I have had many life reviews, and they're current. You know, when the the outer body experiences, when you can, when you're predominantly asleep at night and it's happening during your dream state, dream or sleep state. And the outer body experiences, these are recorded and documented, Christy, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. They're not just a new phenomena or a new phase. They have been recorded and documented. Going yes. back to Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, uh, Swedenborg, Descartes, they all experience these outer body experiences. And they, we all do though, funnily we do. enough, we do, we leave our bodies, no, we don't, sorry, our soul leaves our body yes. every night, our soul, yes. because right. it goes out into the inner planes, it goes into the realms that where we need maybe education, 
maybe we need to get an answer to something that we seek. It's all about learning. And sometimes the soul can be a little bit slow getting back into the body. And I'm sure a lot of people have felt it. Sometimes you might wake in the morning with a kind of a jerk or a jump. And you that's when the soul has just re-entered the body. And that's called catalepsy. Very, very common. Oh, yes, yes. I talk about getting back home before the body. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. That's what that's exactly what it is. I yeah. know. And, and every, yeah, and everybody, you know, every all of us, even children have out of body experience, in particular yeah. children. They they are they are so pure vessels of light. And they really haven't been contaminated by societal norms or educational processes. They, they're very pure while they're still younger. They, they, as I said, they're not contaminated. And they have the most incredible out-of-body experiences. And, and, you know, we dismiss them as I say, stop talking nonsense. Don't let anyone hear you. Like in Ireland, don't let anyone hear you say anything like that. You know, for fear of being perceived as there's something wrong with the child. But... This is what I have experienced as well, Christy, in, uh, when it comes to, you know, when you're dealing with people in the aftermath of somebody's transition. And then you go through the process of helping them with funeral and, and what is right, especially for children. And it's so important that children are allowed the space to express themselves because I have sat with a lot of families where a child would say, uh, they'll ring me and they'll say, you better come because uh, my daughter said that Nana was in the room last night or my son said that granddad, granddad was at the match on Saturday or that the other, another person said that uh, he, daddy was there and he called me his little princess. So I, I go there, but it's important that they, under the parents, the adult mind, you see, is trying to conceptualize what's real and what's unreal. For the child, it's just real. It's reality. They experience this. And because they're so close to the, the heavenly realm that they've come from, they haven't had time to be disturbed on the path of real life as such. And it's important that we allow them to express that they did see and not to disengage from the conversation. So important for a parent or a guardian or somebody who's looking after these children or a grandparent to say, tell me about it. What did you actually see? What did they say to you? You know, and there and it passes. Yes. Yes, no, we know we must encourage it and treat it like it's normal, natural, because it is. It is, you see. And and some I mean, how many of us had children that were playing and that's who you're playing with? I'm playing with my friend. What's your friend's name? Such a name, you know, and you'd just move on and you'd say, Okay, you're having a great time there. I won't disturb you. So and the ironic thing about it is, Christine, we never there is, you know. People would say to me, you know, you're talking to the, the dead people. And I said, no, they're not dead. They're fully alive. They're more alive now than they've ever been. And then I would often say, you know, if, if one man asked me one day, he said, do you not find yourself a little bit on the crazy side, the crazy spectrum? And I said, no. I said, I was never more sane. And he said to me, well, 
you know, I don't believe in all that that stuff. And I said, that's okay. I'm not, and I'm not here to convince you. But I said, there we are, I said, multidimensional. And I said, our physical selves, where we limit our mind, we limit our thinking. But I said, I bet when your wife was pregnant, I bet you talked to the baby in your womb, in her, your, your wife's womb. And he says, yeah, I did. So I said, you didn't find that strange? And he says, no. So I said, why would I, would you find it strange that I can talk to somebody that's gone to the spirit world? You know, so, you know, different analogies like that come in every now and then. Absolutely. Um, so your book, Where After, um, is, uh, how does it differ from any other near-death experience book? How does it differ from other books just like in a similar vein? Okay. The, and you know what, Christy, it was lovely. One of, it's been endorsed by some um, wonderful psychiatrist in England. And he said, this is an incredible book. And then there is another guy in, in France that say he he's explores the frontiers of science, medicine and spirituality. And he said it was a treasure trove. The reason being, and one man that did a, very professional review of Whereafter said that it was 20 books rolled into one, but made more sense. In the, uh, and in the sense that it deals with, I have the sciences there, but it's, it's practical science. It's, and it's all about the famous doctors, even Einstein. Einstein firmly believed in the afterlife. He believed in God. He said that the only thing that science can prove with certainty is that it can prove absolutely nothing at all. And he believed in a God force, uh, Einstein, and he believed that there was a supreme intelligence that overlit this entire universe that was beyond, far beyond the comprehension of man. And so there is, it's lovely that I'm able to say, well, I was guided to say these in the book and it differs in the sense there are tools in that book. There are tools in Whereafter where if you're struggling with where you are on your grieving or your grief healing journey, there are questions there they are easily answered. There is um, tools and techniques to help children. If somebody in your family has passed on and there is children that need guidance, there is a whole chapter there on how to bring your children to a state of balance and help them heal more wholefully. Uh, there is um, about the love. Love and forgiveness is a huge thing that the guides had really insisted be in the book because love is the key. Without love, we are nothing. And without forgiveness, we're not healed. And it is so important. And there's some lovely pieces in the book about forgiveness, like Dr. A, no, she wasn't a doctor, Ava Moore's core. She was uh, one of the twins in Auschwitz. And she herself and her sister, they were, she was one of 3,000, uh, 3, I think, uh, children who were twins, who were used as the human experiments for the angel of death, Dr. Mangela. And uh, she, the horrendous, horrific, 
horrific experiments that they were exposed to in their physical cells without anesthesia, without anything horrendous. And she carried that guilt. She went on to be a wonderful psychotherapist, but she carried that hatred and that bitterness for 50 years until, yes, until there was a liber, not a liberation of her soul, but there was a gathering at Auschwitz. And she stood at the the gas chambers and the, the chimneys where her family were destroyed. And she said that she finally forgave Mengele and Hitler, who caused this atrocity. She said, and then there was outrage because she had forgiven and people, other survivors said, why did you forgive? You had no right to forgive. They have destroyed us. So she said, I am liberating myself. I am no longer allowing him to interfere with the rest of my life, what's left of it. And then again, there was Nelson Mandela. And Nelson Mandela, after being, what, 27 years, he said the day of his release, he has it written in one of his, um, his books that he stood at the door of his freedom. But he realized that if he brought the anger and the bitterness and the hatred with him, he might as well stay in prison. So there is amazing stories and, and which are real life and to make you think of, oh, my God, you know, I really need to forgive. I really need to let go a lot of stuff that is not sitting with my spiritual self. And in it also, there is the near death experiences. There is proof of reincarnation. There is the near, there is the out of body experiences. There is the wonderful doctors who support afterlife. And the ironic thing about it is, Christy, no doctor, no psychologist, no theologian, no physicist has ever, ever come back and disproved that there is no afterlife. But hundreds and thousands have. And I have included the main, the main ones in the book, even the near-death experiences of children, 30 years research by Dr. Melvin Ross, the huge after-death experiences by Dr. Ivan Alexander. There is Dr. Raymond Moody, who put 30 years research into near-death experiences, life after life. And, you know, Dr. Ian Stevenson, who, who for 30 years uh, researched the near-death experience in the Seattle report by young children. There is incredible, it's all facts, facts that are indisputable and can't be denied. I love it. You know. So your book includes the spiritual aspect, the scientific aspect, the, you know, the factual aspect, case studies, et cetera, et cetera, tools as well. Tools, yeah. Yeah. And, and then at the end of it, there is a beautiful um, meditation that was guided to me in 2008. It was channeled to me in 2008. And it's to really help you connect with your loved one in spirit world. Mm. And it is, it, it's very precious and very beautiful. And uh, the other things that are in the book as well, uh, Christy, is there is so much um, knowledge and it's, it's 
it goes back, as I said, to Pythagoras in the fourth century. Oh, but wow. there, yeah, and he believed in the in reincarnation. He saw many of his past lives, and uh, you know, it when we when I go back to Swedenborg in it. Swedenborg was a scientist. He was a physicist. He was a mathematician. He was a lawyer, uh, an astrologer. He was a cosmologist. He, you name it, he mastered all the sciences. And when he was 55 years of age, when he was 55, he started having these huge encounters with angelic beings. And he conversed with the apostles, uh, biblical features. He, he had his communication with Caesar. He had all these incredible, but he became very very fine-tuned and psychic and there is one of the stories i relate in where after where this countess she had come to um swedenberg and she had said that uh, she was in great difficulty because there was a silversmith trying to extort a vast amount of money from her for a silver necklace that the count had given her previously uh, before he died and the count had said that he had uh, the the count had paid for it, obviously. But this silversmith came at her and he said, your, "Your husband did not pay for your silver necklace, and it cost X amount." So she contacted Swedenborg, and uh, Swedenborg said to you, "I'll get back in three days." So Swedenborg, she comes back to Swedenborg in three days, and he said, "Your husband has said." that it's upstairs and it's in the writing bureau. But she said, I've tried there. It's not there. And he said, no, it's in the writing bureau. You must pull out the drawer. And in the drawer, reach in, there is a false bottom. And there you will find the receipt. And there was 11 witnesses to that, 11 witnesses. But even for me talking about witnesses, I had a beautiful experience, um, Christy, with this, uh, she was a beautiful friend of mine and her daughter at nine years of age, she, uh, her daughter had been diagnosed with a very rare form of leukemia and she had bone marrow transplant, which was very, very successful. And then at the age of 12, all of a sudden she becomes quite ill, very, very suddenly. And it was like uh, the signs were not good. So I, I was sitting with her mom near the end of her time and she was in and out of consciousness. And at one stage, she woke up and she said to her mom, oh, mommy, she said, I am so excited. And I have been playing with Peter and Peter has said to me, you are not to be sad anymore, mom, that he's going to take good care of me and that he is going to soon bring me home, but I'm to tell you that. And she went back to sleep. But what shocked my friend was, she had never told Lucy that she had a brother, a brother who died three years before she was born. So there was her brother coming to bring her home, preparing her and her mom to bring her home. And like I would have seen so much of that, Christy, Christy, in uh, around the deathbed, uh, where the veils between the two worlds just open. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful vista to behold. 
there is that peace and sacredness that just punctuates the air. And it is such a sacred place to be when, when you sit there with a family or with a loved one that's about to transition. And an awful lot of healing happens. I have seen songs being sang, poetry being regaled. I have seen forgiveness happen. People, uh, yeah, you know, so there is a great sacredness in all of this. And it is, I suppose, part of where after teaches people that it's okay to say I'm sorry before it's too late, not to hold it. It's okay to say, forgive me. It's okay to say, I love you. And it's okay to cry and not to, not to be afraid to show your emotions. It's not going to hurt the loved one. Right. And it, it, it creates that beautiful sanctuary of love and beautiful sanctuary of energy and peace. So there is so much, there is so much in it that I suppose I'm nearly forgetting what's in it now, Christy. <laughs> a lot in it. And this book covers many different avenues of the question of where do we go when we cross. Yeah. And so where can people find this book? How can they connect with you and learn more about what you offer? And what oh, you okay. Do? Okay. Thank you so much, Christy. Um, my book is available on uh, John Hunt Publishing. It's available on all Amazon websites. It's also available in Kendall. Uh, various bookstores like uh, Waterstones, uh, Barnes & Noble, Indie. And my website is www dot marielfordclark.com and all my social media platforms are linked into that yeah and we'll put all of that in the show notes as well to link back to marielle thank you so much you're just such a light and a joy i am so blessed to have this time to talk with you i really appreciate it well the pleasure and it's been a humbling experience to have talked with you christy and i thank you and i bless you and bless everyone that's listening and may may love and hope be in their hearts now and always thank you radiate wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.